I'm Glenn Crooks, and this is On Frame. The USL, it's an important part of the soccer landscape in America. You've got Nashville coming into MLS next season. Landon Donovan and San Diego, they join USL on their way to MLS maybe. And the possibilities of pro-rel in USL. Well, I've got the guy who knows as much about the league and its personalities as anyone I know. The voice of the USL is Mike Watts, and uh, he'll be on later in the program. New York City FC broke a two-match losing streak with an important road win at Colorado. The final score 2-1 in favor of City over the weekend. New York City down a goal when 16-year-old Sebastian Anderson, who had scored six minutes in to give the Rapids the lead, committed a heavy foul on Ronald Matarita, resulting in a red card. Eber and Alexandru Matriza scored for the City win a player up. Assisting on that opening goal of the match was a former New York City FC winger, Jonathan Lewis. Lewis traded to the Rapids on May the 7th, and he's been productive in his six matches, five of them starts, with three goals and two assists. Here's my conversation with Jay Lou after the match. Jonathan, can you describe your emotions a little bit uh, where you're playing against your former team uh, it's really it's the team you started your professional career spent a lot of time and now uh, you're facing them today well, it was a good game I mean obviously we didn't get the result that we want but it was just good to play against the guys you know to show you know what I can do and obviously against one New York is one of the best teams in the league so it was a, it was a good game it was nice to see all my friends again and you know we'll just move on when we talked to Domi about you it's he's He's happy for you because, you know, he understands you weren't getting the chance there for whatever the reasons. Uh, and now here you're, uh, you're in a situation where, where you're, you're getting the time. And uh, this was your fifth start out of, out of six appearances. So describe that to us for a little bit, the, that, that opportunity. No, I mean, it's good. Colorado's brought me in and I'm able to get consistent games to show what I can do and develop. So obviously it's been a good run of form for me. I've had like two assists, three goals, and six games or whatever. So, I mean, it's been good, but the main thing is is about the op- getting the opportunity to sh- help Colorado and move forward with it, you know, so I can reach the heights in my career that I dream of trying to play at. And when you think about you as a player and uh, sitting out on the left and having some room to operate, that's exactly how the goal uh, was developed today. Now, Sebastian Nibiaga, I know you guys are, are, are pretty close, so how about <laughs> describing that little confrontation there? You got the best of them. No, he said he, he made a joke to me that he said, I'm not going to do anything today. So he admitted that I had him. But, of course, we went down to 10 men, so it was hard. So, you know, it, again, it was good to run out against these guys. You know, I, sometimes I wish I, I could still be in New York getting the chance to play. But, you know, sometimes it happens like that. There's no hard feelings at all. And, you know, I hope the team continues to be successful, and I hope my team continues to be successful. You weren't here in the early stages for Colorado when they were winless through 11, but obviously it's, it's a better path. Can you describe um, your contribution, uh, Lalas, uh, Abubakar uh, at the back, and, and a new coach? So um, maybe between the three of you, it seems like it's changed the course of things. No, I mean, of course, like, everybody looks at it today. We lost to New York City, but that's probably what our second loss in, like, 10 games versus the first 11 games. They didn't even win a game. So I think – He's changed the course of this team, and we're not going to win every single game. You know, obviously we have an uphill battle to try to make the playoffs. But again, like, I think it's more about building and putting teams on alert that hey, we're here to play. We're not we're not a pushover like we were at the start of the year. That and that's I think from a locker room standpoint, you know, of course we make the playoffs. That would be the best thing that can happen for us. But I think that we're building something that we're a competitive team. We're we're 
we're putting teams on notice. We're making teams struggle against us. New York today, the first half, and if you ask their coaching staff, they would say they struggled against us. We got one down to 10 men, and they were able to get their two goals. So, But I think as a team, you know, we played big teams, and we were getting pushed over. And now some of these big teams can't even beat us. And we beat LA Galaxy, LAFC, Portland, we tied them. So New York is actually the first team that probably is, has beat us, one of the big teams. Had, did you know Connor Casey at all before arriving here? No, I didn't. <clears throat> Not at all. I just know he's a national team player, played in the league, was a good player. So just met him for the first time here. So what's his coaching style? And he's an interim coach, so things are, you know, a little undecided in that realm. I think right now he's just he's coaching to get results. I think that I'm not saying that this is the way that we're going to play all the time because I know that he has a certain view, but I know right now that, you know, he, we, we need to get results and we just have to keep trying to win and draw game and just try to get results. So I think once everything's settled down and, you know, you'll see the, what we really want to do as a team. So and I think that's going to be what's impressive for the next years to come. And you're in Colorado. You're in a in the Denver area where it's uh, it's at altitude. It's a mile high. I'm just curious when you first arrived and started training and 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 getting into the matches. Is it is it something that you really have to get used to? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I would say even the guys today in New York, you know, they were tired at the end. Obviously, I think if we had 11 men still, you know, it would have been it would have been hard for them. But they were struggling at the end because it's it's hard to play in the altitude, and it's an advantage that we have, for especially for some of the East Coast teams who come over here. So it's a big advantage we have. But you know, like I said, it, it's a great city. It's a great club. I love being here, and you know, I miss the fans in New York. They were great. They were awesome to me. So, but I, I love it here, and I love the fans here in Colorado as well. Well, you certainly get the sense that Jonathan Lewis still thinks he could have contributed more to New York City, but when you hear City head coach Dome Tarant talk about Lewis after the game, he feels that the trade was mutually beneficial. This is not something that you think about during the course of the game, but you've spent a lot of time with Jonathan Lewis yourself as a coach, and he's been part of this club for a long time. So he's involved in the first goal, but after the whole game ends, uh, how do you feel about Jonathan and his performance and what, what lies ahead for him? I'm sure he's going to play much better here because they use the spaces. and The people uh, has to know that. Uh, it's not the same play uh, for one team they have the control and they don't have a spaces and you have to play in the short spaces and you need another quality maybe and is the right player for Colorado for example but because they defend deep uh, make uh, is almost man-man when they defend jam all the time when they recover the ball they have a spaces that happened in the first goal but we we knew that we 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 talk about that many many uh, times in the, this week and he has this quality everybody knows uh, Jonah has this quality I'm happy for him because he has more, more opportunities here and right now he play for the national team because for us is uh, and, and he know that it's more difficult for him because the reason why right now we have Mitri we have Isma we have uh, uh, Gas we have Jesus we have Ebre we have Tati and when that happened you have uh, few opportunities to play with us and another reason is uh, they uh, he play much better when they play uh, with the spaces. And sometimes when we, you play, especially in the Yankee stadiums and the opening uh, defend deep, uh, uh, he had difficulties, uh, you know. But as I say to to him, good luck. He's a good guy. He's a good player, especially for this team. That's Dome Turon on Jonathan Lewis, the ex NYCFC winger who made only six starts in 31 appearances under Tehran and former manager Patrick Vieira. He'll be equaling that total with his next start in Colorado. 
18-year-old homegrown James Sands made his return to the lineup, missing four games with a broken right arm, suffered in the home win against FC Cincy when the big uh, Kendall Waston inadvertently fell on Sands. But now he's back in the starting 11 at Colorado and feeling pretty well despite the long absence as he talked to three of us at the Etihad City Football Academy after training on Tuesday. You know, I, I felt really good out there. It's it's nice to be back on the field. It was a, a tough month or six weeks, um, but I'm just glad I'm back with the team, um, and I'm happy we got three points. What are some of the things you do uh, when you're not playing outside of just watching the team? How do you uh, how do you psychologically handle this absence? Uh, well, I try and be with my friends a lot, especially because now I'm at an age where they're all going off to college. So this is kind of the the last summer they're here. So I'm just hanging out with them. And what kind of games did you watch? Do you watch? Do you find that you that you even are watching more soccer during this period when you can't really play? Um, I mean, maybe not as much now, just because there's not a ton going on, you know, in the Euro European leagues and all that. But I think it helps when I can focus on our team play a little bit. You know, it's good to to watch a little bit and see how some of the other players are doing. How is uh, how is your match fitness, uh, or how do you feel coming off of that game? Um, it, it felt pretty good, to be honest. I think it was the altitude is never easy, but I think because they got the red card, it, it kind of made it a little easier for me, and I think it was a good game to get back into it. Was there any trepidation at all for you about maybe the first tackle or the first time you go to ground hard or anything like that, or, or, or were you kind of just mentally prepared for that? Um, I think I was pretty prepared for that just because... I think I was out a little longer than initially I was supposed to be just because of stuff that went on in training. But um, So I think I'd already been through that a little bit. I'd been training for a while, and I think I was just kind of used to it at that point. You mentioned the red card to Colorado, so that meant that NYCFC was pushing a lot of numbers forward. How did you feel with all the amount of pressure that was placed on the defense just to almost play like a two-man back line at some times? Yeah, I think it was, it was definitely interesting just because... I think they were kind of playing for the counter, so even if we have the ball the whole time, they're still pretty dangerous, especially with the speed they had. But I think aside from the last maybe 10 minutes of the game, I think we did a good, and the first two minutes, I think we did a good job handling that. You mentioned kind of what you were, were doing during the break, but how, how difficult is it also just being a young player? Um, you had a fantastic start of the season, obviously. Um, you know, there was talk about you at the U-20s. The U-23 camp had just happened, uh, or was about to happen, and then you go down. I mean, how hard was it just mentally um, to, to be on that kind of forced break when, when you were on such a good level? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough because I thought I was in good form. Um, so it's never easy to take time off. But I think if I had to pick a point in the season where I had to miss some games, it would probably be what just happened because it's the middle of the season. So... I kind of get off to a good start, take a little break, um, and then hopefully can finish the season healthy. James, you, you mentioned that uh, you liked watching your team, or you, you, maybe you could pick some things up or, or, or learn some things just from watching the group. Can you can you point out one or two things that, that you picked up on? Uh, well, a couple. Well, I watched Maxime Chanel a lot just because he was playing in the middle when I was out. Um, so just watching how he leads and how he's organizing everyone is helpful, and then. I think all the midfielders, you know, Ringy, Eben, Keaton, just how they how they move on the ball and how they play with each other. So I just like watching that. So the, the leadership part of being the, the yeah. central defender in that back three. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not easy, but um, just watching him was really helpful.
Do you find that you've gotten uh, more verbal as, uh, I don't know, as the weeks progress, the days progress? Definitely. It's, it's never, never easy for me. It's just not one of my strengths. But, you know, as long as I keep trying it during games and practices, I think I, think I can get there. Have you, see, have you seen any change in the, in the way the team plays from when you were last on the field to uh, last week? Uh, no, I think it's it's pretty similar. You know, we've always had the same ideas and philosophy. Um, I think this game maybe we uh, started with a little more energy just because it was the first week we had uh, to recover. Um, but other than that, it was pretty similar. You um, you played with it, and you're and you're training still with. Um, I guess it's like a soft yeah. cast, right? Uh, how much uh, how much longer do you think you'll need to wear that? Uh, I think definitely this week against Sporting, and then I'll probably get another X-ray and, and see how it looks. But I think after this week, it's probably good. But maybe two weeks, we'll see. Excited to finally get yeah, rid of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's not fun, but at least I can play. Well, um, and and I mentioned before the the U23s. Um, you know, they had that camp uh, out in uh, uh, Utah. Um, obviously, you were injured, not able to be part of that. Have there has there been communication, or have you talked with? Jason or, or his staff about about going forward I'm sure that's a goal for you yeah it's definitely a goal um, you know after I wasn't able to go to that camp um, you know I didn't hear from them but I think you know I everything I've heard about Jason he's a great coach so I think if I keep doing well with New York I'll get another chance so that's what I'm just going to keep working for that's Rye New York native James Sands Next up, the second tier of professional soccer in the United States. All right, time to welcome in Mike Watts, uh, voice of USL. No question about it. He's going to be on the play-by-play for the NYC FC Sporting KC match Friday night at Yankee Stadium on the Yes Network. And, uh, Mike, good to have you here. And the USL is so huge, so big, uh, and you've got uh, you among others, but probably primarily uh, have a grasp of what's going on in this league. So I'm so happy that you're able to come on and share. But first, let's find out a little bit more about you. Who are you? I mean, people hear your voice on all these different games, and they don't always see your face, but they, they hear your voice. <laughs> and unfortunately, they won't be able to see your face on this uh, podcast either. No, well, that's good for everybody because I've been told I've got a face for radio. And I should say, of course. I'd like to confirm that, by yeah, the way. <laughs> our partnership <laughs> began all the way back in 2014 with the NWSL. So, wow. yeah. you know, this is actually a long overdue reconnect for us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Fordham guy, uh, grew up in Ohio, um, lived in New York now for guess it's eight years um a lot of a lot of soccer the usl championship sort of blew up right at the same time i was coming out of school and they took a, a chance on me so some work with them um most weeks and and uh picking up stuff from espn and uh do preseason for the cincinnati Bengals and, and bounce around whoever will have me i guess which is why i'm here so you called uh, some Fordham Ram games, uh, men's Many. soccer, women's soccer, both? Yeah, yeah, big fan of, uh, of, of Jimmy, uh, Jim McEldry, another, another Rutgers guy now. Um, yeah, and obviously just saw Nat Bacoe in the, in the hallways here. He, he was a Fordham guy, and Ryan Mara was, was uh, on those great teams. And uh, they were kind of that first foray. I mean, I went to St. Ignatius in Cleveland. Justin Morrow went there. Um, they won a national championship while I was a, a, a senior. So that was kind of the first foray into falling in love with my team. And then I went to Fordham, and they won an A-10 title. 
um, while I was there and so fell in love with that team and Jess Clinton does such a good job with their women's program and I, I'm such a big fan of hers so yeah Fordham through and through all right well let's get to this USL thing the first club we should discuss Nashville SC they're coming into Major League Soccer in uh, 2020 I see they're fifth in the table so I'm going to ask you straight up are they ready or will they be ready? <laughs> I, right. I think right now they probably have, you know, six or seven guys. And, and you look at teams that have made the leap before Orlando comes to mind. You want to strike the right balance between keeping some continuity and a culture that you're, you're happy with, but also finding players that fit the level. And not everybody naturally is going to fit that level. So guys like Derek Jones, Cameron Lancaster, Daniel Rios are – MLS ready guys today uh, and, and I imagine that that they're part of the long-term plan even beyond next year considering um, some of them are already on MLS deals some of them been acquired with allocation money in, in uh, Jones's case from from Philly I think there's a ways to go I think the big problem is is they loaded up with these super athletic super uh, high scoring weapons and they've had trouble partially fitting the pieces together, but also partially just staying healthy, right? So Cam Lancaster had 25 goals last year. He's a former Tottenham guy, and he's been picking up little injuries every couple weeks, it feels like, and so he just never got going. I think that's probably Nashville's biggest impediment, but – but you this know. guy Rios is he one of the is he one of the MLS guys? Has he been signed to an MLS deal? And and tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, I believe he has. He's a Chivas youth, uh, Guadalajara youth. Uh, you know, blew onto the scene last year in North Carolina. I mean, really was kind of an unknown commodity before last year. Scores twenty goals. A lot of them aren't the prettiest. He scored an awesome goal against Louisville uh, two three weeks ago. Uh, from 20 yards out, curls one off the post and in. Um, so he, he's capable of the spectacular, but a lot of his goals are just stick to itiveness and, and, and getting his nose a little dirty. All right, so the Nashville expansion into MLS. Uh, USL has expansion news. Landon Donovan uh, in San Diego. So San Diego now has a franchise in USL. The interesting part of this story, I think, is that San Diego had put in a push – and a bid at some point to become a, a, an MLS franchise within this group uh, that includes uh, Nashville coming in. So what is their uh, status, and is this just a, a natural progression? I think professional soccer needed a, a home there. I don't know how the progression of MLS goes from here, right? I mean, how far are they willing to expand? And, you know, Sacramento, Phoenix, Charlotte, St. Louis. I mean, you go around a bunch of cities that, that deserve professional soccer, and those are being served by USL right now. I think even bigger than just having Landon Donovan was, was getting Warren Smith, who essentially uh, was the lead executive for Sacramento when they came into, into USL. Uh, you know, he made them a championship team year one. He had them setting attendance records year one. If he can do that in San Diego with, you know, the, the publicity and, and glitz of a, a guy like Landon Donovan at the helm in some capacity, which I think remains to be, to be understood at this exact juncture, uh, they'll be real successful at, at some level of professional soccer. And I think no matter what level that is, uh, USL championship for now, that's a really good sign for the game. 
Well, let's go to North Carolina FC. Uh, they played New York City FC in the U.S. Open Cup uh, not long ago at St. John's University and uh, also got a chance to sit and chat with Dave Sarakin. Uh, so uh, exciting there, uh, not only with Sarakin's first team, but also the North Carolina Courage on the women's side mm-hmm. who uh, are uh, looking to build a dynasty in the NWSL. But Steve Malik is the name that resonates uh, with this group. Yeah, really ambitious, right? And I think... He took a page out of Merritt Paulson's book in that the way that the thorns and the timbers are commingled in how they go about getting their names out there, the, the way they publicize the two teams are similar, has helped the thorns gain that kind of prominent foothold. I think the fact that they genuinely treat them equally is significant, and I think North Carolina with both their championship team and the courage, treat them equally. And I think that's significant. Uh, I I have a ton of respect for Paul Riley. I know he's got deep coaching roots up here. Uh, I I think he's so intelligent. Um, Had a good year for Riles because uh, Liverpool, (laughs) he's a huge uh, Liverpool supporter. So you've got a Champions League. He's got a NWSL (laughs) championship. So, uh, yeah, it's gone well. Yeah, no, it's gone really well. Uh, Talking with him about the box midfield over and over again last year, it's like I was getting a Ph.D. in the in the 442 box. But, uh, yeah, Dave Sarek and I just spoke with him a week and a half ago and he's really happy there. You know, he said, look, I'm not an alpha type where I needed to go work again, but he didn't feel like the batteries were drained. He felt like he still had something to give. He enjoys the fact that the average player on this team is, you know, in their low to mid-20s, and he can sort of help guys take take steps in their career. So, yeah, really exciting times there in the stadium they're looking to build would be wildly impressive. Yeah, billions going into that, I think, right? Yeah. The, the, the whole complex. Yeah, the whole complex, right? Yeah, right. That, that's kind of how – stadium building is now right it's the whole complex of it what uh, mike watts uh, our guest uh, the voice of usl and the uh, the teams that excite you i mean when you uh, from the outside looking in we see what new mexico united did in the u.s open cup and and, and the crowds and the support uh, you look at las vegas lights and the two $2 margaritas or free margaritas, whatever Winalda was talking about. And then Winalda versus Caligiri at Orange County FC, a huge win for Caligiri. But th- yeah. these are some of the things I look at, and, and um, it, it provides, well, some level of entertainment, which is also yeah. you know a big part of this. Yeah, I, and I think the entertainment's natural. I think large in part it, it's, it's, it's real because a lot of times you can sort of try and, and stir the pot as hard as you can and – see if you come up with something. I don't really think that's how they've managed to get the drama into this season. You know, it's funny that you mentioned $2 tequila shots. That that all started with Dollar Beer Night uh, in Phoenix, and they're now 12-0 and on Dollar Beer Night. Uh, they had the so Bud Light night. So not stopping that soon then. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, beyond that, you know, they've won 10 games in a row, and, and that's a tied for the league record with what FC Cincinnati did last year. So – uh, Phoenix has had a wildly good year. I think they're the odds-on favorite to win the league. But, but you know, New Mexico is in first until the Open Cup. And when you keep traveling on the road, they couldn't play at home during the Open Cup. You know, they slid down the table a little bit. I think they're going to be in really good shape. Super experienced team in their expansion year. Uh, Reno's having a really nice run of form. 
you, you go to the East, I, I still think Louisville has more to give. Tampa Bay's had a great year. St. Louis, same deal. They were higher in the table, and then the Open Cup sort of knocked them around a little bit. I mean, it, genuinely, I think it's a really exciting year. Yeah, you, you didn't mention the Rowdies initially. They've only lost one match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a phenomenal start. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is and I like Stu Campbell, who was the coach there before, but, you know, I think Neil Collins came in, and instead of Joe Cole and Marcel Schaefer – uh, and and Georgie Ristoff and guys that I think NASL fans know really well and some of them global fans know really well. They went out and got younger guys, a little more energetic, and it is funny because there was a guy that played for Red Bulls too, uh, Andrew Teneri, who's a, who's a local kid, who he, he just goes, I hated playing against him, so I went and, and got him. You know, like he, he's energetic and he made my life difficult and like that's the kind of guy I want on my team. And it's not to say Stu didn't have that eye, but I think Neil steps in. He retired midway through last year and jumped right into coaching. Uh, center back with five, 600 games experience. And, and I think he's, he's done a phenomenal job of, of giving them a little bit of a youth movement. We know that uh, Tim Howard is retiring as a player this year with the Colorado Rapids. And, but prior to that, he uh, has become a minority owner in a couple of different situations. One of them is uh, Memphis 901, an expansion team this year. Uh, it, the, uh, the principal owner is Peter Freund, who has a piece of the Yankees and some minor league baseball. But he brought in Tim Howard for the, the soccer side. And it's interesting that Howard's mentor as a goalkeeper coach, Tim Mulqueen, is the head coach of Memphis 901. Tell us a little bit about how that's developed. Yeah, I, you know, I think Memphis, even the game against Nashville they just had, they, they caught an unlucky break. Um, I, I, I think they've got some interesting players. They dealt with some, some injury issues early in the season. Uh, they've picked up a lot of guys out of the Caribbean, which I think is becoming a, a, a regular thing in in the championship, Jamaicans and Trinidad and Tobago and, you know, areas that have maybe been underserved in, in terms of, you know, recruiting talent out of those places at times. So I think an interesting group of guys, they have to get, like, Elliot Collier has to start scoring goals. I think there's a lot of positive things they do, but they haven't finished often enough. I think they're happy with how they structure the group tactically and I think that's a big thing for Tim uh, but ultimately you know they need a few more goals if they're going to make a run at it and the east is like you know you look at Hartford man you, you can get run over in a hurry if, if you don't come out of the gate fighting it's tough no well let's uh, I, I wanted to embark on pro rel for a second because I when you hear uh, I was listening to a talk show earlier this week, and uh, a gentleman called in identifying himself as a Euro snob <laughs> in regard to watching MLS. And he said the biggest problem he had with MLS, and he, you know, from from a standpoint, it was the you know, salary cap is always an issue, but mm -hmm. then it's this pro rel thing. So let's take USL. We've got USL Championship, League One, League Two three divisions it seems like a natural but again you have to have the ownership on board so where does that stand right now in usl yeah so uh, first i'm gonna pass on this question no um it, it is funny because you and i both have done sirius in the past uh sirius xm and i hosted a show on there for a year and at one point uh i i, I heard in my ear from i think it was andrew williams who i'm sure you've worked with over there 
and he goes, hey, we've, we've got a question about ProRel. <laughs> and and I, I just said, like, I, I'm not talking about this because I just don't think it's relevant yet. Uh, and then the phone board lit up, and that was the last 40 minutes of the show. Yeah, if you uh, talk about development <laughs> or ProRel uh, at SiriusXMFC, uh, that's it. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I, I think there is a place for it in the long run. I think nothing is more significant right now to American soccer, and this is probably coming from a business degree background that I picked up at Fordham, than sustainability and I know we like to think that we're there, and it's possible that we are, and, and I just don't quite realize it yet. But I think the significance of, of sustainability remains a, a major piece of this. And so I know Jake Edwards, who, who's the president of the USL, has talked about the idea of, of advancing promotion relegation within the USL league structure, Championship League One, uh, moving forward. I think, obviously, when you have certain requirements at each level, which is the case in every, every country's federations. Uh, not every team's gonna be eligible to get promoted. Not every team can, can get dropped. I mean, you know, the teams that got promoted in Spain last year, it, it, you know, like the sixth place team got in over the third place team because the third place team was a B side and they couldn't be in the same division as their, as their first team. So there's all kinds of weird elements to that. I'm interested to see how it progresses, but, you know, more than anything, you know, I, I just want American soccer to keep growing sustainably because I think it's the best route to long-term success. He is the voice of the USL, often on ESPN Plus, Mike Watts. And he'll be on the call for the Yes Network when New York City hosts Sporting KC on Friday night. Tom Kolker will join me for the radio commentary, airtime 715 Eastern, for the pregame show with Dome Tarong. I'm Glenn Crooks. Thanks for listening to another edition of On Frame.